It's unnecessary roughness. Hands off to Jacob. Stutters to the right. Burst through the hole. 20. 25. 30. He's off to the races. Here in Seattle, nobody's going to catch him. 25. 20. 10. Ball game. Bye bye, Josh. 86 yards in overtime to walk it off for a second straight week. Touchdown, Raiders. Victory, Las Vegas. I have nothing to say. Oh, my goodness. Let's go home. <laughs> This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Winning is fun. Winning is a lot of fun. You hear Lincoln Kennedy right there. Jason Horowitz on the call, the voice of the silver and black. That was the Josh Jacobs walk-off versus the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And you can just hear the joy in Lincoln's voice laughing and let's go home. Just laughing. Winning is fun. Winning is what the Raiders need to get back to doing on a more consistent basis. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio right now coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show. Hopefully you tuned into that, and I think I'll have a nugget from JT's show every day. I promise you because, I mean, the content that he's putting out right now is fantastic. The participation that he's getting from Raider Nation right now is even better, right? It doesn't matter if it's on Twitter. If it's on the phone line, if it's on the text line, whatever the case may be, the feedback that he's getting, the names that he's bringing up, and I promise you every day another name pops up or is mentioned and is talked about and discussed that might not be the greatest whatever that position is, but just that name brings back memories. Like I heard Zach Miller's name earlier today, and all I could think of is the Jamarcus Russell era, and really that was the only guy that Jamarcus was comfortable hitting. Right with Zach Miller, and I remember, man, I, I liked me some Zach Miller a lot. Uh, anytime the ball was headed his way, I felt very confident he was going to catch the ball. Obviously, if they're talking about Zach Miller, they were talking about tight ends. But taking it a step further back than that, I heard the name Ricky Dudley today for the first time in a very, very long time. And I tell the story all the time about uh, Eric Allen and the fact that I uh, used to get my hair cut in the Bay Area in Hayward, California, the same spot that him and his son would go all the time, uh, Gums Barbershop right there. But uh, Gigi used to cut my hair and cut Eric Allen's hair as well. Well, another guy for the Silver and Black that used to consistently get his hair cut there at Gums Barbershop was Ricky Dudley. And I remember Ricky was such a big dude coming out of Ohio State. He was really, I mean, he was an absolute monster. And if that dude could have lived up to what his body type was, <laughs> man, what a player he could have been. I remember sitting in the barbershop and, and myself and my boy Corey, we'd be in the barbershop all the time. We'd be arguing with different fans. You know, there'd be Niner fans that rolled in, Cowboy fans that rolled in. But predominantly, you know, it was a it was a silver and black barbershop for the most part. And I think myself and Corey were probably the loudest dudes in the in the barbershop. Shocking, right? And, and, and you know, back in the day, it's a little hole in the wall. It's not a it's not a big elaborate barbershop. It's just a little hole in the wall. Right, and you were in there, and we're up there yelling and hollering. And Saturday morning, we get there early, and we stay late. Like that's the that's the reality of it. And man, we used to yell and scream for the Raiders to get the ball to Ricky Dudley. Man, you need to get the ball to to Big Rick. That's what my boy Corey used to always call him. Just get the ball to Big Rick. Just get the ball to Big Rick. You know, I mean, that's all. That's all we would scream. And there'd be you know Niner fans in there that we'd be talking trash and we'd be firing back. And then Big Rick would walk in. He'd be like, "Here he is, right there." There's the big fella. You know, and it's just, it was so funny, and it would get me so fired up. So fast forward to my, one of my last few years when I was still in Texas. Uh, I was going to Big 12 Media Days, which happens to be going on right now in Arlington uh, for college football. 
I was headed over there, but there was having, they were having a fantasy football convention. So I said, well, before I get there, it was a Sunday, and, and Big 12 Media Day started on Monday. Before I got there, I was like, well, I'm rolling up on a Sunday. Let me go ahead and stop in at this fantasy football convention and just see who I could see. A lot of players were going to be there and thought I can get some interviews and, and this, that, and the other. And as a matter of fact, I ran into Lincoln Kennedy and his son at that event as well. But Ricky Dudley was there, and he's ball-headed now, so obviously he's not going to the barbershop. But <laughs> – I told Ricky, I said, man, I know you don't even remember me, but back in Hayward, we used to go to the barbershop, and before I finished the story, he was like, Gums, you and the big fella. That's what he called him, the big fella. And this is a big dude. Think about Ricky Dudley and the size of Ricky Dudley, right? He, he's a big monster tight end, but he used to call my boy Corey big fella. And so as soon as I started talking about, you know, Hayward and going to get our haircut, he was like, Gums Barbershop, you and the big fella. I was like, man, me and the big fella. Yeah, my boy Corey, we used to we used to talk you up and we used to, you know, throw your name at these different 49er fans and just get after it. And, man, we literally stood there and talked for about 10 minutes about old times. And, man, that guy, he was a, he was a hell of a player that could have been a great player, right? He just never lived up to the bill. It's like he always caught the ball that was the hardest and then the easy ones he dropped. Right? It was it was so frustrating, but I'm like, man, if you don't get Ricky Dudley involved in the game early and let him get comfortable, then also he can go out there and ball. And he was that guy, that super athletic tight end, the guy that could run through your face, right? He was that guy before anyone else was running through some, some folks' face, right? Just could never consistently catch the rock and be that weapon that the Raiders thought he was going to be when they selected him early in the draft. But, man, just hearing that name today, and I promise this happens every single day, like, JT's show is always f- fantastic, but knowing that it's July, knowing that training camp is two weeks away from today, that's the first practice. I mean, and that'll be fun coming in uh, from practice and being able to talk about what we actually saw. That's going to be a lot of fun. Knowing that there's not a whole lot of, you know, everything going on when it comes to the NFL, to be able to go through the all-time list like he's doing and putting together the all-time team like he's doing, position by position, having four or five different people to choose from, sometimes more than that, and hearing the names, like I heard Just Win Wendy chiming in. I saw her chime in on Twitter. Uh, Fabian chiming in on Twitter. Raider 66, I heard him call in, you know, talking about the all-time tight end position and so many others. Fantastic stuff and so proud that we are doing it as a, as a radio station. JT's putting it together. He's a mastermind behind it. But just knowing that you're hearing it here on Raider Nation Radio 920 as the flagship radio station for the Silver and Black is awesome. So uh, I know that he's taking tomorrow off not from the show but from the all-time team list. So uh, there won't be a a guy or a player that I haven't heard in a long time that I come screaming in at at 2 o'clock. It's like, oh, my gosh, do you remember that, dude? Like, that's not going to happen tomorrow. But please believe Monday he's either going to do cornerbacks or safeties. Whew, kidding me? That's going to be a tough list right there. How are you going to decide who the all-time greats are when it comes to the cornerbacks when the Raiders have had a history of great cornerbacks? I've said it so many times, I'll say it again. Glad it's him and not me. <laughs> right? He, he's putting this together. So shout-out to JT doing a fantastic job each and every day, noon to two, putting together the all-time great list when it comes to the Raiders, uh, you know, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, pre- present day. I even heard Darren Waller, you know, get honorable mention for tight end. And I think for what he did in a short amount of time, he deserved that. He earned that. You know, it was, it was great while it was great, and it's no longer, but honorable mention, I didn't have any problem with that with the tight end position. So, again, hats off to JT for doing what he does. But we got to do what we do around here as well on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And today is one of those days, Ari, where if you blink, if you get up to go to the fridge and go grab a drink, if you happen to run up the street real quick, the show might be over by the time you get back. This is one of these days, and it usually happens, you know, once every couple weeks, 
during the regular season, probably once a week it'll happen, where it's just like bang, 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 bang. Where are we at next? Boom, boom. Just everything hits you quick, fast, in a hurry. That's what today is going to be. Coming up at 2.30, EJ Snyder, bootlegfootballpodcast.com. And it's funny, I didn't know who EJ was, and that's not a disrespect to EJ, but uh, I had many people suggest and reach out to me. It was like, hey, man. You need to talk to this guy. You need to talk to the, these guys that are breaking down all these teams and they're going through a little summer, you know, as everyone's doing summer, summer, you know, um, um, information, summer, you know, platform, summer podcast, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, just put it out there. Uh, just just again, work in the summer, which is not the easiest to do to continue to put out more information and put out new fresh shows. Uh, they're going through all these different teams, talking about offseason moves, talking about draft class, talking about the coaching staff, this, that, and the other, and they did it with the silver and black. And I got a, a ton of people that hit me up and was like, Q, if you have not had a chance to check this show out, you have to check it out. So I went through it. It was an hour and a half long. And I'll tell you what, really good stuff when it comes to the Raiders, breaking down the, all the draft class, the free agent moves, who they lost, who they didn't lose, who the quarterback's going to be. And I'll tell you right now, it's a little bit of a tease. Him and his partner were very high on Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick out of Purdue, who could be potentially a really good quarterback. I don't know that for a fact, but EJ and his partner sounded pretty high on Aiden O'Connell. So please believe that'll be one of the questions I ask him. But he'll join the show at 2.30. We'll go through all the – not all the offseason moves because we don't have that much time to go through all the offseason moves. But we'll hit on some key ones. Obviously, we'll talk about the quarterback position. We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about some of the additions, look at some of the draft picks. And if there's a guy that you'd like me to ask EJ about, please hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. It's the text line. And I guarantee you I'll be paying attention to the text line just in case you do hit us up and want us to get a question in because I don't want to miss it. I think this is is going to be a really good interview. Highly anticipating it. EJ Snyder, bootlegfootballpodcast.com, joins us at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, Rachel Nichols, Showtime Sports, formerly at ESPN. She's going to be the host of the Goliath Screening. Again, that's about Wilt Chamberlain, the three-part docuseries about Wilt Chamberlain. We talked to the director a couple days ago and mentioned multiple times that Rachel Nichols was going to join the show. She's going to call us at 3 o'clock, talk about what she's seen from Summer League, which has gotten very quiet. Very quiet since Wimby's been shut down, man. It's almost like Summer League ain't going on now. I'm watching right now. I got in the home studio. I got the TV on, and I'm looking around the Thomas and Mac, and you can get any seat you want right now. Every seat's available. Now, when Wimby was even playing, not even on the court at the time, but when Wimby was still in action, man, the place was packed. The Thomas and Mac was packed. But, I mean, again, it's 2.10 in the afternoon on a Thursday. So, uh, you know, don't expect to see a whole lot of folks there to see Brooklyn and the Raptors. But it's just night and day compared to what it was last week in anticipation for Victor Wimbenyama. So we'll ask her about Summer League, what she saw from Victor, what she saw from other guys that uh, have some big high-profile names, but also talk about the Goliath screening. Again, we talked to the, the director just a couple days ago. I'm excited about being at the event. It's going on a little bit later on this evening, myself and Lil Q. Uh, we're going to go there, and I asked him, I said, man, it's about Wilt Chamberlain. You want to go check it out? And he's like, that's basketball history, Dad. Of course I want to go check it out. So I was like, all right, my bad. My bad, young man. All right, young fella. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to go check that out a little bit later on this evening. Very excited about that. And Kevin Garnett's going to be part of that. As Rachel Nichols obviously will be a part of it. She's going to be calling the show. And uh, whatever I can get, you know, get some sound bites, get some interviews in. Who knows? But we'll bring it to the show coming up tomorrow. But Rachel Nichols will join us at 3 o'clock. Our good friend Vinny Bonsignor from the RJ and, of course, Radio Nation Radio 920, the morning tailgate. He'll join us at 3.30 to talk all things silver and black and, you know, what he's thinking about training camp as it's officially, what, 13 days away from today. 
from having the first practice, you know, what he's looking at as far as maybe there's some veteran moves and additions that could be made. We'll ask him his thoughts on Josh Jacobs as his uh, contract day is coming up pretty soon, the 17th. He is in town. I think that that's a really good sign. I think it's really cool that he got off the airplane and went immediately to a, a local high school and held his camp that uh, got postponed a few weeks ago. He held his camp, didn't do anything, got off the airplane and went immediately to the camp. That kind of lets you know a little bit about the man of Josh Jacobs. So we'll talk to uh, Vinny about Josh Jacobs as well, plus a whole lot more. Everything has to do with the silver and black. That's coming up at 3.30. Speaking of Josh Jacobs at 4 o'clock, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. I talked about... Josh Jacobs in his football camp. Well, who was there on site? Who sat down with him following the football camp? Paloma Villacana. She put out a tweet and a couple tweets, matter of fact, last night, and I retweeted them and let it be known she'd be joining the, the show at 4 o'clock uh, talking about Josh and, and a video of, of her and him going back and forth talking. And then there was a little tweet that she put out there as well at the end of it, and she said, source close to Josh Jacobs says – if a contract has not uh, been resolved, and this is me just paraphrasing, if a solution has not come about by Monday's 1 p.m. Pacific time uh, you know, deadline, Josh will not report to training camp. And it's funny, she said a close source to Josh Jacobs as she's sitting down with Josh Jacobs. So I'm pretty sure that that source is a very reliable one, if you know what I mean. So she's known Josh for a very long time. Um, so she knows what he's all about. She, he's very comfortable talking with her. So soon as on the show at 4 o'clock, we'll talk all things Josh Jacobs. We'll also dip into the Aces as is officially the All-Star break. They beat the Brakes off the Sparks last night in L.A. Now it's time for the All-Star game that's going to be played here in Las Vegas on Saturday. Uh, we got our credentials, so we should be there in attendance as well, checking that out, seeing how everything shakes out. And, you know, again, it's just an exciting time to have an exciting time here in Las Vegas. You're looking at the Summer League. You're looking at the All-Star uh, event going on, uh, everything that's going on here in town it just never seems to slow down at all so we'll talk about all that with Paloma coming up at four o'clock and then Jennifer Mercedes she was going to join the show yesterday to talk all things all-star break for Major League Baseball she's the producer and host of La Vida Baseball she's talked with us many times on this show uh, the last time we had her on it was about the World Baseball Classic and how exciting that was well she was in Seattle for the all-star uh, weekend or the all-star break uh, for Major League Baseball so we'll get her thoughts coming up at 4 30 so as you could tell as I mentioned there's not a whole lot of room to breathe on today's show, and that's okay. That's how we like it, man, fast and furious. And I'm not talking about the Vin Diesel movie, right? I'm talking about the show. This is how we get down, and this is how we roll. Can't, can't wait to really deep dive into it. So EJ Snyder at 2.30, Rachel Nichols at 3, Vinny Bonsignor at 3.30, Paloma Villacana at 4, and Jennifer Mercedes closes it out at 4.30. In the meantime, in between time, we have winning on the way. We're going to get you into win the aviator tickets. And what I mean by that, I just want to make sure I'm very clear on this because sometimes it's easy to get it twisted. When we get caller number nine, and we'll do it multiple times in the show today, you're getting registered for a chance to win aviator tickets, a four-pack of aviator tickets. You don't win aviator tickets immediately. You're getting registered for a chance to win those aviator tickets. But what you are doing is you're getting one step closer to the ultimate prize, which is the Lotus Summer of Fun. Take the trip or take the cash this week, five-day houseboat rental on Lake Powell, plus a $1,000 gift card for gas and food. So sometimes it's easy to kind of not hear it correctly or not quite understand. You're not getting tickets to the aviators when you're calling number nine but you're getting registered for those tickets more importantly you're getting closer and closer to that trip which is ultimately what you want so we'll do that a couple times throughout the course of the show we'll get you hooked up with that and of course we want to hear from you as well 702-365-9200 and the don't be broke.com text sign 69187 keyword r we already got text messages coming through we'll get to those in a hot second but let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive 
the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Got a couple quick texts I got to get to. Raider Mike in Colorado said, Q, Ricky Dudley was the Seth Roberts of tight ends. Catch all the difficult passes but dropped all the easy ones. That is a great way to sum it up. It really is, and, and I don't want to sound disrespectful to Seth Roberts or Ricky Dudley. I definitely respect both of those guys, but, man, that is, that is the way to summarize it to the T, <laughs> right? He would catch all the difficult ones, and I remember one specifically that he caught, and I say caught in air quotes. It was at the Oakland Coliseum. He was in the dirt of the end zone. He went up and caught it. He bobbled the ball because, well, that's what Ricky Dudley always does, bobbles it, came down. I know damn well his foot was not inbounds. Like, I know, and I don't remember who they were playing, and I remember they went and reviewed it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's going to get called back. That's not going to be, that's not gonna be a, a touchdown. That's no way you know, his, his foot's out of bounds. Somehow they gave it to the Raiders. I don't know. And I was like, well, I'll take that one because <laughs> I knew damn well that he had bobbled it just long enough that that was not a, a completed catch. And I was like, and I, I remember saying that specifically after he caught it was, or after it was called a touchdown. I was like, man, it's always the hard ones that he makes the play. And the easy ones that's right there in his, in, right in his hands or in his bread basket. He puts on the ground. So um, <laughs> Raider Mike in Colorado, great text, man, and I think you summed it up perfectly. Also, Rob in Oakland talking about uh, what JT is doing in the midday. He's doing it fantastic. He said, uh, JT's exercise of making an all-time Raiders team reminds me of all the players that contributed to what the Raiders are and have been through thick and thin. I hope really young Raider fans get a chance to hear these shows, maybe with an older mentor, because as we move forward with high hopes, we can't forget our past and the players that made us great. Lastly, as an aside, I'd resist any temptation to create a hierarchy of Raider players. I've taken it as a way to recognize all of our great players, those with and without gold jackets, because once a Raider, always a Raider. Thank you, JT and Bobby. Again, that's Rob in Oakland. And, yeah, that's great stuff, and I'm, thanks for getting that in. That's a really good, uh, good text. And, and uh, again, the exercise that he's doing with the help of Raider Nation is just phenomenal work, and I'm so glad that that's not on me. <laughs> Again, because, man, they have so many greats in the history of the Raiders and so many players that were really good. And depending on when you started watching the Raiders and how old you are, someone that was really good in your era or even great in your era might not have been worth the salt. And I say worth the salt, but they might not have been able to compare at all to the really greats that maybe I didn't see or maybe you didn't see. So I'm glad JT, who's been with the organization for so many years, has had the opportunity to put this thing together. And I'll tell you right now, as a fan, not a radio host, right, not anybody else, just a fan, hearing what he's doing each and every day has been great. So I, I definitely appreciate it. And if you haven't had a chance to, make sure you go to our website, lvsportsnetwork.com. Every show we do is podcast. Check it out, JT the Brick. Every single day, he's breaking down another position group, and it's really must-listen radio. So, uh, Rob, again, thanks so much for that uh, text. Definitely appreciate you. Now, back to the opening drive that we have here. We got a text that I wanted to get to, and I wanted to pose a question as well. as like we always do. I like to bring a topic to the show each and every day. I like to get Raider Nation going and, and hitting us up with some feedback, and, and that's just what we do here. So the text that we got says, first off, thank you for all that you do for the Nation Q and Ari. This is Raider 07, a.k.a. Matt from Little Rock. My question for you is what position battle are you most intrigued by this training camp with all the rookies, 
undrafted, and veteran players brought in to fill starting roles. I'd love to hear your opinion. Thank you so much. So great stuff right there from uh, Matt from Little Rock. He actually texted us in on my uh, Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line uh, on the podcast, and so I thought it was good stuff, and I'd bring it to the show today. And, of course, Ari is a part of that as well, so I thought it was super appropriate that both of us were mentioned on the text. But uh, the question he's throwing out there is the position, the intrigue – what – Position battle are you most intrigued by this training camp? Looking at the rookies, undrafted, veteran guys, all that. And I've said many times on this show that I think that training camp is going to be very competitive. And I just have to continue to look at – there's certain groups I can look at and say, yeah, I think there's going to be some competition there. But for me, when I look at the most competition I believe I'm going to see in training camp and it gets started in 13 days from today, I think it's got to be the secondary. I really do. We've heard all the reports – about Marcus Peters, about the fact that they're going to sign him uh, either right before training camp starts or right as soon as training camp starts. So how many positions do you actually have open, right? Nate Hobbs, I expect to see a lot from him. They just drafted uh, Ja'Korian Bennett. They went out and signed David Long. They brought back Brandon Faison. They have Duke Shelley, right? I mean, they have Tyler Hall that's been getting a lot of love as well, right? Where do all these guys go? Is Nate Hobbs, does he end up in the out- inside or outside? Who's across from Marcus Peters? Is Marcus Peters brought into the mix at all? Right? I mean, we just don't know. But I believe that the secondary, when I talk about the secondary, I mean the cornerback room. I'm, I'm excluding the safeties. If you want to include the safeties, I think that's going to be competitive as well. Because Chris Smith, and we'll ask uh, EJ Snyder coming up in a few minutes, Chris Smith is nothing to shake a stick at. I think he's going to be a hell of a little player. I don't know if he's going to get on the field immediately, just like I don't know if Ja'Korian Bennett's going to get on the field immediately. But I do think that those guys are going to be some players uh, for the silver and black team for quite a while. But just looking at the corners in general, I do believe that that's where the biggest competition is going to be. I feel like if Marcus Peters is brought in in particular, you're really competing for one job as, as far as the outside goes. And then there's one guy that's going to be the slot. Oh, Amik Robertson. Don't let me forget Amik Robertson. He's, he's involved in this as well. You know, he's been, I feel like, every year kind of written off, written off, written off. And I did it last year. My bad. I wrote him off before that fourth preseason game, and all he did is go out there and ball out and prove me wrong. And, and I told him that. Hey, my bad, Amik. I didn't mean to write you off like that. But there's a lot of players. There's a lot of guys that I can see being involved in the mix. But I think it's going to be very competitive. And I see the most competition in training camp coming from the Raiders secondary. But that's just me. So what says you? Where do you see the most competition coming from when training camp opens up in 13 days? I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. I considered the offensive line. I thought about that, even though I feel like that they have a really a good base right now. But a couple spots could be had, right? I mean, if, if some guys go out there, maybe some undrafted free agents, like a McClendon Curtis, a Dalton Wagner, maybe those guys compete for a spot. Maybe Dylan Parham's not really the left guard next year. Maybe he's found another position. I'll tell you this, EJ Snyder, who's going to join us in a few minutes, likes Dylan Parham a lot. He doesn't like him at left guard a lot. So we'll ask him about that. It's called a tease in this business. That's what we do, a little bit of a tease. So could the offensive line have a little bit of a shakeup? I think there'll be competition there, right? But I feel, I feel pretty comfortable that Andre James is going to be the center. I think that it would take a lot for someone to unseat him, and if, if it was going to be someone, I'd say it'd be Dylan Parham. But, and that's not the position that E.J. Snyder thinks that Dylan Parham should be playing. Just go ahead and throw that out there as well. So we'll talk to him in a few minutes. You know, we feel really good about the left tackle, Colton Miller, right? There's not going to be someone that's going to take him out. So I know two guys for sure that's going to be on the, on the offensive line. 
If you look at Colton Miller, you look at Parham. I feel comfortable with James, so that's three. So then really on the right side, you have the most questions. Jermaine Illuminor was re-signed. He was brought back. What's his role? Brandon Parker, he was re-signed. He was brought back. What's his role? Alex Bars, he was I. Right. You know, I'm not going to try to uh, call something what it's not. He was I. Right. But he helped Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing. So he was I right enough to get that done. You know, but is he a guy that has to really compete and to hold on to his spot this year? Maybe. Probably. Right? There, I mean, there's some dudes that can go out there and compete. They also signed some free agents. So maybe there's maybe the competition is at the offensive line. But just when I look at it, man, I feel like the most competition is going to come from the secondary. I don't think right now there's enough linebackers in that room for someone to, to, to take someone's job. Divine Diablo, I feel very comfortable saying he's going to be a starter. Right? I, I like what Luke Masterson was able to do last year as an undrafted free agent. I thought he came along. Does he have some room to grow? Absolutely. But I thought he came along pretty well. Darian Butler, I think he was more of a special teamer last year, but still had a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of burn as far as the linebacker goes. Of course, Robert Spillane was brought in as a free agent, so you know that the Raiders have uh, big plans for him. So I don't think the most competition is at the linebacking role. The defensive line, you know Max is going to be there. You know, Chandler obviously is in the mix. The rookie Tyree Wilson, you know he's in the mix somehow. I'm assuming, and maybe there's some competition between, you know, a Bilal Nichols, a Matt Butler, Neil Farrell Jr., you know, Byron Young. I mean, there, there's some guys there. So maybe, maybe you can make an argument that the, the, the most competition in camp will come from the defensive line. But I know damn well there's going to be two dudes that are in the mix for sure. <laughs> and, and there's only three other spots, right? So Max ain't going nowhere, and Chandler I don't believe is going anywhere either. So I feel like those two spots are pretty locked down, and Tyree Wilson, you know, is going to play a role. So even if he's not starting to start the season, maybe he's coming in to, you know, spell Chandler a little bit. Maybe he's going to spell Max a little bit. He's involved heavily. So really, you only got a couple more positions on D-line. So for me, again, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that the secondary is where the most training camp competition will be. We'll ask EJ Snyder. We'll ask Vinny Bonsignor when he joins us at 3.30. But we want to hear from you. Again, the question coming from uh, Matt from Little Rock, and he says, what position battle are you most intrigued by this training camp with all the rookies, undrafted, and veteran players brought in to fill starting roles? So I ask you, Raider Nation, where do you think the biggest competition comes from when training camp opens up? 702-365-9200. Don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r Don't call now. Fire off all the texts you want, including if you have questions for our next guest, EJ Snyder, bootlegfootballpodcast.com. He joins the show. Sweater Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Wilson stands up straight. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. His eighth sack of the season. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Max Crosby will go on to have 12 and a half sacks in 2022, and the question that we threw out there, where do you think the biggest camp competition is going to come from? It won't be from Max Crosby's spot. Max Crosby, you don't have to worry about camp competition. Not that he's not going to go out there and compete and give everything he's got, 
But his spot is pretty stinking secure. Again, 13 days from today will be the first practice for the Silver and Black at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. And join us now on the phone lines from Boop Boop. BootlegFootballPodcast.com, excuse me, is our guy EJ Snyder. And EJ, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I'm so excited to talk with you as uh, many people, as you know, have hit me up and said, Q, you've got to check out this summer series. They're breaking down the Raiders. They've done th- gone through everything that they've done, all the offseason moves, and it's been fantastic. What have, you, what have you got, first off top, just the feedback that you've been getting from fan bases, all fan bases, not just the Raiders, but just NFL in general with what you guys are putting together right now? Well, thanks so much for having me on, Q. I think the feedback this year is even better than it was when we did this last year. Last year was the first year that we did one episode per team and a summary division episode, so we did 40 episodes last summer for the first time, and everybody was like, wow, that's pretty cool. But this year, it feels like it's changed a little bit. As you know, a lot of times, you know, out-of-town stupid is what people talk about when there's analysts that are national that aren't in a local market talking about your team. And this year, the local markets have gotten behind our coverage and said, you know, this is really good. You should check this out. And that feels a lot different. And it feels really good. Yeah, no, you guys did a tremendous job, uh, about an hour and a half long, and it was really good stuff. And I'll tell you, when it got to the end, I didn't realize it was an hour and a half that I had been listening and watching. I was like, wow, that went by fast, but it was very informative and very detailed. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And talking about Raiders offseason moves, obviously the biggest one is moving on from Derek Carr and getting Jimmy G. And I know in the in the podcast you guys were a little you know skeptical what Jimmy G could bring to the table, but as I always have to say with him, when healthy, what do you think he brings to the table in this Josh McDaniels-led offense? It's a great question, and I went down the rabbit hole on this one a little bit because I think people, myself included, tend to think of these two guys as really similar, and that's it's pretty easy to do. They're about the same size. They have about the same touchdown-to-interception ratio, about 2-1. to one. They have roughly the same completion percentage. Jimmy's is a little bit better. So on the surface, I think a lot of people say, hey, these are two sort of mid-tier quarterbacks, and, and they're the same guy, and they're not. So I dug in to figure out what the difference really is, and when you get down there, Carr throws a lot more times. He ends up with more yards per game, but he also has more attempts. He has less air yards and yet less yards after the catch. Um, so Jimmy is a little bit more efficient, uh, he's a little bit more accurate, but his decision-making isn't great, and that's always been the book on Jimmy G, is that you don't want him throwing 35, 40, 45 times a game. If your team's in that position, something's kind of gone wrong. So I think McDaniels is going to be able to get his spots out of Jimmy G and get that efficiency. He's going to have to back it up with a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs, and he can't sort of – I'll say get trapped by that siren song of, hey, Jimmy's been really good in his first 20 throws. Let's have him make 20 more because <laughs> that's where you get into trouble. Um, so they're not the same guy. And the other big difference that I really surprised me was Carr's way more experienced. <laughs> He's got 142 games to Jimmy's 74. He's got almost 5,000 attempts to Jimmy's less than 2,000. 1,700 for Jimmy overall. And I, I thought that was strange. I thought of these as two fairly similarly experienced players. And, you know, Carr's had a lot more reps than Jimmy. 
Well, Jimmy's been in the league for a long time. He's just missed a lot of games, right, due to, due to the injury, <laughs> which is always something that we talk about. So how much does the familiarity with Josh McDaniels and what McDaniels wants to be done, how much, does, like, how much weight does that carry for Jimmy? I think it carries a lot, especially getting started. And getting started this season is going to be really important. They need to get off to a quick start. If they get in a four or five or six game hole, it's going to be very difficult for McDaniels to keep a hold of this team. So Jimmy can come in with the familiarity he has with McDaniels from New England, knowing that playbook, and basically have a hot start because, yes, it's changed over time, but the base verbiage isn't something he has to learn over. And that's really important. No, it is. Absolutely. Again, we're talking with EJ Snyder, bootlegfootballpodcast.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Now, while I'm talking about the quarterback position, I've got to ask you about Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick out of Purdue. You guys talked about Aiden O'Connell a lot and gave him the Kirk Cousins comparison. And it's funny, when you say Kirk Cousins, most people kind of cringe a little bit like, ah, I don't know about that. But when you guys said it, it was in the almost the highest form of you know flattery or respect like you really uh like Aiden O'Connell a lot so tell us what stands out to you about Aiden O'Connell Aiden's a great guy we got the chance to interview him at the Shrine Bowl actually down in Vegas uh back in January and just a really fascinating player very self-aware uh absolutely no ego or entitlement uh he fully expected us actually funny story to tear him apart because that's what teams do. They pull up your bad plays of your player and say, why'd you do this? And tell us about that. And we started off with some of his good plays, and he was like, what is this? And we're like, this is what we do here. You know, we're, we're here to highlight your strengths. And he really opened up and, and sort of showed us behind the curtain of his game. But his basic assumption is, hey, I shouldn't have been here in the first place. I was a walk-on. I wasn't a scholarship guy. And I'm going to let it go. I have, a, I have a belief in my ability and he will gamble a little bit, and there's some of that lends itself to that Cousins comparison. But he also will send it down the field. He is not a check-down quarterback in terms of the way he likes to play the game. When he thinks he has a matchup he likes, he will let it go. And he was real successful with that in college. And I can absolutely see that continuing into the pros. He will not play scared. I know it's a huge upgrade, and he will learn his lessons and take his lumps. All rookies do as they come to the NFL but he's going to bring that aggressiveness because that's just sort of who he is at the core fiber. Now, you, you mentioned in the show that he's not a guy, and I've said it before on this show, he's not a guy that I want to see at all this year. Like, if we, if we see Aiden O'Connell out there consistently, then something obviously went wrong with the Raiders' plan in 2023. But it sounded like from what you guys were saying that Aiden O'Connell is a guy that, you know, once he gets his feet wet into the NFL, you expect him to be a player, potentially even a franchise quarterback. It is possible, and that also lends itself to the Cousins comparison. And, look, comparisons are always fraught with a lot of things because right. when you talk about an NFL player, when are you talking about that NFL player? It's not the Kirk Cousins now with all his experience in the league, but if folks remember, he came into the league as a fourth-round pick out of Michigan State. He was not the top quarterback even in his draft class, certainly not on his team. He was behind RG3, mm -hmm. and he developed into a player after RG3 got hurt then moved on, got his contract with the Vikings, and has become the Kirk Cousins we all know now. So we see a lot of that same potential. Mid-round player, uh, willing to gamble, you know, coming out of the Big Ten. There's a lot of similarities there, and yeah, it will take him a little bit. It took Cousins a little bit, too. And look, they're both still learning, but there are a lot of nice nuggets in what Aiden O'Connell does, how he sees the game, 
how he leads a team. And, you know, honestly, in his arm talent, there's some, there's some similarity to Cousins as well. You know, you mentioned it also about the fact that he'll, he'll throw the ball down the field where Jimmy G is not going to be able to throw it outside the numbers too much. He's not going to be able to hit Devontae down the field. But for some reason, if Aiden O'Connell's in the game, he won't have a problem throwing the ball down the field. He will send it outside the numbers. I think Devontae will really like that. I think it will remind him a little bit of his time in Green Bay. Like, hey, if I'm even, I'm leaving. Give me that chance. <laughs> and Aiden O'Connell's going to give him that chance if he's got leverage or even if he's just neutral he's still going to give a good receiver, a playmaker, a chance to make that play down the field, and that's exciting. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And, and anybody who's a Raider fan knows about the, the long ball and the history of the silver and black, and if he's able to get that going and cook it with Devontae Adams, again, don't want to really see him this year, but if, if the you know, situation lends itself, then maybe that's something that uh, we can start to see. Again, we're talking with E.J. Snyder here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I wanted to talk about the offensive line. Uh, they helped Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing. I don't think that they were the most solid offensive line. I think that they could definitely have room to improve, but they got better throughout the course of the season. What kind of competition do you expect for that offensive line throughout the course of training camp? I think the base group is middle of the pack overall in the NFL, and maybe Raiders fans don't want to hear that. But if you just look at them talent-wise, I think that's fine. I would put them solidly in the middle of the NFL. And you highlighted probably one of the most important points about an offensive line. They improved throughout the season. They started to play together better. And that's the most important part because your offensive line is only as solid as the weakest link. And they got better throughout the season, which some offensive lines don't do. So the starting five, I really think of it as two, two, and one. You've got two very good players or, or players that have potential to be very good. And Colton Miller and Dylan Parham, again, I would rather see Parham on the right side than on the left. We talked about that a little bit on the mm-hmm. podcast. Then you've got Bars, who you know came from the team that I follow, Chicago Bears. He was an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. I've always liked his potential as a swing inside player. Um, and then Illuminor, I think, is a you know medium, solid, good tackle. And then the center, Andre James, like, he, I think he's got potential, but he played up to his line mates, and that mm-hmm. made the whole line better. So I like the base group. I think they're solid and, and pretty talented, but behind that, there's not a lot. Right. <laughs> the Raiders yeah. have not gathered a lot of depth and injuries could doom this unit if they have early injuries on the offensive line and they have to start shuffling bringing in new players i think you could see a regression there well and that's the reason why they bring in guys like a dylan parham who can play in multiple positions but you said something and i teased it earlier in the show that you and your partner really like dylan parham but you liked him better not at the left guard position but another position you mentioned right guard why do you see him better as a better fit as the right guard position because he is, <laughs> he is better. <laughs> Simple. Than uh, I mean, that's that's where he played in college. And some guys, we said that doesn't matter. We've talked to multiple offensive linemen. We always ask this question: Is it important to you which side you play on? Some of them say, Nah, it really doesn't matter at all. I'm good wherever you put me. Uh, and their stats back that up. And other players are like, Look, you can put me a guard or tackle, but keep me on one side. I want to keep my drops the same. I want to keep my footwork the same. I want to keep my, you know, my first hand the same. And that really matters to some guys. And with Parm, it seems to matter because on the left side, he gave up like 50-plus pressures. In the few games that he played right, he gave up two. Right, right. 
I mean, it's, it's right there. The proof is in the numbers. Probably a different, you know, sample size as far as reps. But, again, the proof is in the numbers. So, uh, Dylan Parham is a guy. Even people have talked about him playing the center position. What do you think about that? I like that. He's very mobile. It was one of the big selling points for him in the draft coming out of Memphis that he had guard center flexibility. And I really thought he had high potential as a center if he came in and, again, got to focus on that. I'm a big proponent of giving young linemen one job, one responsibility, mm-hmm. one position to learn, not multiples, because it's hard enough to make the jump between top college competition and NFL competition. Every rookie talks about that. But when you also give them multiple responsibilities and checks, it gets to be very difficult. Again, some players can handle that load. I think less than we think can handle that load in that first year. So find a spot, and if that's in camp, that's okay. Move them around. Try them out. But once you get to the season, try and lock that player in and see if you can just let them settle and learn that. If they do that well, sure, then move them around, flex that versatility. With Parham, they've got him at guard. They started him at guard maybe if they need him at center, but I would love to see him stay at guard, move him to right guard, just lock him in, work the line around him because we know he's effective there. E.J. Snyder, bootlegfootballpodcast.com is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you, and this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. I wanted to ask about the defense, but instead I'll just kind of go to the draft class because they drafted six guys on the defensive side of the ball led by Tyree Wilson. What, have your, what were your overall thoughts on what Dave Ziegler was able to do in this last April's draft? I like this draft. I thought you know, you're never going to hit every pick. The vast majority, especially the top-end talent, I really liked. I'm a huge Tyree Wilson fan. Again, I'm not a doctor. Some teams had a red flag on him injury-wise. If he's healthy and holds up, he has crazy potential, like more ceiling than almost any player in this draft. He's got a huge frame, and you see him do things on the football field. He's already demonstrated some of this with that length, speed, power. You see him guys just blowing guys off the ball. Really, really, really like Tyree Wilson. Want to see him stay healthy. I think the landing spot in Las Vegas is really good for him, getting to be with players like Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, and really learning under them. I think the sky's the limit for him if he stays healthy. Michael Meyer, you're not going to see a ton out of him this year. Rookie as a tight end is a tough position to have a lot of contribution, but long-term, I think that's an excellent pick. I can see him as a full-fledged starting wide tight end that goes both ways. He's a better... I'd say sneakier receiver than some people give him credit for. He has very good hands um, and is also one of the best blocking tight ends in this draft. Byron Young out of Alabama, another big contributor on the offensive line, is one of those sort of dirty work five techs that can lock down an edge, which you absolutely need. You need a guy like that on on a defensive line uh, to really be able to get you off the field because if offenses can move around one end of your line, they're going to get good games, and, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get second and short, you're going to get third and short, and it's going to be tough to end those drives. Byron Young can do that. Trey Tucker, we talked about, a little bit about him on the podcast. Super fast, really small. I think he's going to be a role or niche receiver, and plus, he's going to be a special teamer for them, so that can bring them value. And Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland, the nickel that they got in round four. I like a lot. He's got some lessons to learn. He's going to have to tone down the aggressiveness a little bit. He's probably going to pull some early flags, but he is a dog, loves to stick his nose in there, loves to tackle, which you need to do from the nickel spot. I think he's really got a, for lack of a better term, a Raider attitude. Uh, I think Vegas is going to love him. 
Nice. I like it. I really do. And I, I think that Dave Ziegler's done a pretty good job in the one complete draft class that he's had. And then, of course, last season after making the Devontae Adams trade, he only had a couple uh, a couple picks to make. But I thought that they were pretty good, led by Dylan Parham. But before we let you get out of here, EJ, and again, this has been fantastic. We definitely appreciate your t- time. When you look at the Raiders just as a whole, you look at the schedule where do you think the, 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 the floor is for their, their win total in 2023? And uh, where do you think the ceiling is? Yeah, on the podcast, I put the floor at five, and that is really worst case. When I'm talking about floor, I'm talking about the wheels falling off. I'm talking about Jimmy G getting hurt fairly early in the season, uh, McDaniels not being able to translate things with the other players, and maybe losing a little bit of the locker room. If that happens, they could be a five-win team. But again, that's the worst case scenario. Best case, Jimmy stays healthy. They work the talent they've got. McDaniels is able to bring another year of maturity to that offense. You know, Josh Jacobs stays at or about the level he was at. I think they have a nine-win ceiling, and that could get them into the playoffs. There you go. There you go. The five, five is the worst-case scenario, nine being the best-case scenario, maybe sneak into the playoffs, and that's all you can ask is to try to sneak into the playoffs and then do what you do after that. Well, EJ, fantastic stuff, man. Bootlegfootballpodcast.com. What are you working on? What's the next show to come out that uh, Raider Nation should be looking out for? Yeah, we're just finishing up the AFC West, and that's about halfway through for us. So uh, Chiefs drop today, AFC West. Summary drops tomorrow, so if you're a Raiders fan, absolutely check that out. And then we're working our way south through the NFC and AFC South and then NFC East and AFC East for the rest of the summer. That'll wrap up just about the first week in August, and by that time, we're in training camp and preseason games. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, EJ, fantastic stuff, man. Hey, I'm glad we linked up. This won't be the uh, last time we talk. That's great work. You and your partner do great jobs. So uh, thanks so much for your time. Hey, Q, thanks for reaching out. It was a pleasure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. EJ Snyder right there, bootlegfootballpodcast.com, on Twitter, at FootballEJ. And I'll say this right now. Go on and give him a follow, at FootballEJ. It's that simple. Let him know what you thought about that. I mean, that was only 20 minutes. I mean, they did an hour and a half on the silver and black. And you want to talk about going into some great detail. It was fantastic. So definitely go check it out if you have not already. Uh, bootlegfootballpodcast.com uh, as you mentioned as you heard him say they finished up the whole AFC West they got the AFC West summary coming up tomorrow that's something to be on the lookout for and on Twitter you can find him at football EJ great stuff he will not <laughs> he will not be a stranger to this show please believe that 250 is the time this is Raider Nation Radio 920 you're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio Got a text from Matt in Little Rock. He led to our show topic that we have today on the show. And by the way, EJ Snyder, shout out to him one more time, bootlegfootballpodcast.com. If you missed that interview, make sure you check it out, lvsportsnetwork.com. It will be podcasted shortly after the show. But Matt from Little Rock said, thank you for all you do for the Nation Q and Ari. This is Raider 07, a.k.a. Matt from Little Rock. My question for you is what position battle are you most intrigued by this training camp with all the rookies, undrafted, and veteran players brought in to fill starting roles? I'd love to hear your opinion. Thank you so much again, Matt from Little Rock. And uh, I mentioned off top, and I said it uh, uh, in great detail, I really believe the secondary is going to be where the biggest competition is going to come from. I do think there's going to be some competition on that offensive line. You just heard from EJ Snyder talking about, you know, the position could be upgraded. He talked about Dylan Parham at the right guard position, and I know that they want to solidify that left side, have Colton Miller and Dylan Parham, you know, side by side, but maybe right guard is something they need to think about. The one good thing I like about 
the players that they're bringing in along the offensive line is something that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler have mentioned to us and mentioned to us from day one is just about the versatility, about having guys that could play in multiple different positions. And just in case, as EJ mentioned, if a guy goes down, all of a sudden your depth is hit. Well, the good thing is you have guys that can shuffle around and move around. I thought that Dylan Parham did a really good job his rookie year going from one spot to the other. As he mentioned, you know, the, the pressures that he gave up from the left guard position were more. He also was in that position more, right? I mean, he, he played that position the majority of the season. Right guard, he only gave up two pressures. So uh, he did play that in college. So I can see where EJ's coming from with that. Uh, you know, but there's still, I believe, competition to be had at that offensive line. I still I don't, I don't think it's as much as the secondary, but, you know, I think that offensive line still, even though they helped Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing with 1,600-plus yards, still think there's a little bit, it could still be upgraded. I don't think it's ever a, a, a completely finished product. So I uh, want to hear from you. Where do you see the biggest camp competition coming from? 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, we kick off hour number two of the show. Rachel Nichols, Showtime Sports. She'll join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.